for myself, really, and for all of us, <coughs> I want to give a reminder of what it is that we've been studying and looking at in the current chapter of Ephesians chapter 4. And I think what I'll do is a good starting point for today is to look at verses 22 through 24 of Ephesians chapter 4. It kind of summarizes what we're to do and what we're studying. And it says this, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed, to be made new in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So let's break this down just as a quick review. Put off your old self. You see, we get rid of the old junk. We get rid of the old way of life. We clean our house. We throw away the old. You know, we cleaned out our garage these past two days, Karen and I. Katie May helped. And man, we took no prisoners. We went at it. If you saw our garage, you'd know it needed it bad. And if it any way resembled junk or trash, it was gone without discussion. If you had to ask, we tossed it. That was the rule. If you have to even think, if you even think it should be gone, it's gone. And we, clean, we can actually even get a car in our garage now, probably for the first time in over, well over a year. Well, the same with our lives. We have to clean up. You see, we've been made new in Christ. And we are His workmanship. God's grace is active and working in our lives. And so He saved us, and He's continually changing us. So we put off the old way and we get rid of the old self. And why do we do that? Because the old way of life is corrupt. The old way is selfish. It's prideful. It's mean. It's evil. It's discontent. It's rebellious. It's ignorant. It's self-deceived. And it's a life that is darkened in understanding, alienated from God, and it's greedy for sin and wicked pleasure. That has no place in the life of a believer. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, put that away. Be done with it. Kill it. It's gone. Throw it out. Put it off. But now, put on the new. Put on the new self. Be renewed. We have a change of mind. And we put on the new self, which is created. Listen to this. Created after the likeness of God. Boy, this is important. The Christian... Those of us who have been changed and been made new by Jesus Christ's blood, by God's grace, we start to look like Jesus, made after the likeness of God. The new self is created after the likeness of God, and it brings to our lives this. It brings true righteousness and true holiness. It's not fake. It's not man-made. God is at work within us. And so we've been saved by grace, and now we are completed in grace. God's grace works within us, and it changes us. Isn't that great news? We're not who we were. In Christ, we've been made new. And so Paul now shows us what this looks like, and he shows us how we're to live. He said, put away falsehood and speak truth. Lying has no place amongst a Christian. Exaggeration, we need to be so careful. Why? Because we carry the only true message there is. Jesus Christ came, he lived, and he died, and he rose again. And so if we're known as a liar, when we have to go and share the gospel with someone, they'll go, ah, coming from you, I don't know about this. 
we carry a treasure. We carry the treasure of the gospel. And so we must be people who put away falsehood and speak truth to one another. Paul goes on and says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not hold on to your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. We talked about this, and if you want to go back and listen to it, <coughs> I think it's worth it. It's interesting, be angry, but do not sin. And again, just a warning, I know how many of my sins are birthed in anger. There's righteous anger, but I know in my humanness and in my flesh, I got some self-righteous anger that leads to sin. And so we must be careful. Don't go to bed with an angry heart. Do not hold on to your anger. No longer steal. Instead, we work hard with the purpose of sharing our blessings with those in need. What an opposite view of the world. Work to get rich. Work to get stuff. We give, we give and do work to give and to share with those who are in need. And now let's look at our verses for today and the following weeks. And this is verses 29 through 32. <coughs> Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, as those who are new in Christ and those of us who are, we are to live lives as those who have been made new, and we see this, and this is what I want to look at today. Rotten words are not to proceed from our mouth. Let no corrupting words, unwholesome words, the RSV, the Revised Standard Version says this, let no evil words proceed from your mouth. Rotten, corrupt, unwholesome, evil. That's how your tr translations state this, and they speak of our words. Now, as you all know, it's no secret I love food. I like food a lot. I like all types of food. There's really very little I don't like, but when I don't like something, I really don't like it. And I want to give you a couple of illustrations of, of what corrupt or rotten and unwholesome looks like. And we'll tie that into our speech. Let me give you one example. I love hamburgers. But do you know how you corrupt a hamburger? Put mayo on it. Can't stand the stuff. Nothing worse, man. You go to Burger King because they put mayo on their burgers. I, mean, I haven't been there in years because they put mayo on their burgers. But you go in the drive-thru. I'd like a Whopper with cheese. No mayo, please. You go to the drive-thru, you drive off, get settled, take a big bite, and what did they do? They corrupted the burger with the mayo. I'm not going to eat it. Everyone's like, come on, just wipe it off. It's been corrupted. <laughs> I'm not eating the burger. So we have mayo on a burger. Jelly bellies. None of you buy these at Costco, I know. We're the only family who like gets the sugar high from it, I know. But you get that big jar full of flavor and goodness. I like to eat them one at a time. 
No mixing allowed. And I just kind of, oh, that's good. Juicy pear, very juicy. But there's one flavor I detest, buttered popcorn. I know, it's someone's favorite. I know, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend. We're all different, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Here, tell you what. Next time we buy them, I'll just put them all in a bag for you, and you can have buttered popcorn to your heart's content. You can have them all, because they overload it with them. But I'm, getting, I'm digressing. But I, I'm pretty careful, but sometimes it's dark as I'm watching TV or a movie or something, and I, I try to pick them out. But sometimes they look very close to lemon or something else, and, like, and all of a sudden, ah! That's rotten. I want, <laughs> the family knows I go crazy. I want to spit out the hot buttered popcorn jelly belly because I can't stand it. It's detestable to me. I know, strong word, but it is. I don't like it at all. Fresh fish is great, isn't it? Ever have bad fish? Rotten fish? Have you ever seen discount sushi? By the way, this is for free. Don't do discount sushi. <laughs> Pay the full price, go to good sushi, you'll thank me later. <laughs> and finally, I think this is the closest to the actual Greek meaning of rotten or unwholesome. You have a great looking bowl of cherries, and you grab a handful, you wash them, and you put them in a bowl, and you start eating, spitting out the seeds in the pit. Everything looks great, but then you take one, you throw it in, and it just doesn't feel right. It's not crisp. And you get reopen it up and you look and you're like, obviously a bird had a snack on this cherry before me and it baked in the sun a little bit and this cherry's rotten. And what was so good, you know what I mean? That firm, cold, nice cherry, there's nothing better. But that rotten cherry, you just go, ah. And it kind of makes you sick. What was so good is now so rotten because a bird got to it. Luke 6, 43 through 45, Jesus said this, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Do you know the word for unwholesome, rotten, evil, corrupt? Is the word Christ used here for bad fruit. Same word. Paul is reminding the church of Ephesus what Jesus said about evil words. Corrupt, evil, unwholesome words come from a heart that is overflowing with evil. So what place does unwholesome words then have in the life of a Christian? In the life of a believer? It has no place. So let no corrupt word or unwholesome word, rotten word, proceed from your mouth. So let's say it this way today. Let corrupt talk be replaced with grace-filled talk. You know, corrupt speech does not bring life to yourself or to others. It doesn't edify. It does not build up. In fact, it does the opposite. 
Our words can make you and it can make others sick. Corrupt talk comes from a corrupt heart. And the corrupted heart brings speech that is sick, lying, abusive speech, vulgar language, vicious and hurtful words, gossip, slander. The speech that flows from a person's mouth shows the condition of their heart. How you speak shows who you are. And it's important us for really to understand that this is a heart condition. It's a heart condition that brings unwholesome speech. On the opposite, it's a heart condition that brings grace-filled speech. So where is your heart? Just this past week at camp, a kid asked this. What is a swear word? What is a bad word? Who defines this? You see, kids... Us, those who are striving after an acceptable social status, or those who are looking for a rule to follow rather than a heart change are going to ask these kind of questions. Is such and such a bad word? You ever have a kid come to you and say, hey, is this a bad word? I don't even want to put the words into your mouth, in your head of what that might be. It's not about specific words. Now, we all know in society some pretty specific words that we're not to use. But the question is not, is this a bad word? The question is this. Does my speech build up? Is it gracious? Does it fit the occasion? Does it give grace? The standard is not a specific word or specific words. The standard is this. Does it fit within a heart that loves Jesus Christ above all? That's where our speech comes from. You see, a heart that desires true righteousness and true holiness, as we just saw that we're to put that on, that that's what we're being made into, the likeness of Christ, producing true holiness and true righteousness, then our speech will change. Does your speech encourage? Does our speech point to a heart that loves the grace of God? and desires other to know, others to know the same grace. You see, we will give an account of every careless word. Matthew 12, verse 36, Jesus said that. You know, I preach this message to myself as much as I would preach it to any of you. In place of corrupt talk, we need well-chosen talk. The book of James says so much about the tongue, doesn't it? And its destructive path. <clears throat> James says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. Listen to this language. A world of iniquity or a world of unrighteousness. James says this, we can tame wild animals. We can tame, tame a lion, but we cannot tame the tongue. The tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. I think all of us, as we sit back and if we reflect, we would know that we've been at the end of someone's vile tongue, haven't they? Have you been poisoned by someone's tongue? I have. We all have. On the flip side, all of us have spit deadly poison at others with our tongue. And as followers of Jesus Christ, let us be slow to speak. Proverbs ten nineteen. This is a great verse. It's a good one to memorize. Where there are many words, sin is unavoidable, 
but he who restrains his lips is wise. Now, I said earlier, it's not my intent to publish a list of acceptable and unacceptable words, and I sometimes think that leads to a lot of foolish talk. Is this a swear word? Is this not? Is this appropriate? Is this not? And you can go in circles all day long. In England, this is fine. In America, it's not good. Everyone has different cultures, different words. I get it, but just, you can run yourself into circles. Again, the question is, from your heart, your mouth will speak. Does your, do your words bring grace? Paul tells us not to have corrupt speech, and we interpret Scripture with other Scripture. And Scriptures are clear in many specific sins of the tongue. And as followers of Christ who've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with sins of the tongue. We know lying, gossip, complaining, creating division, speculating with others about people's actions or motives is sin. I saw this while studying this week. Augustine hung, I always, you know, get nervous saying like, Augustine hung this sign. They say Augustine hung this sign in his dining room. Whoever speaks evil of an absent man or woman is not welcome at this table. Man, I'm, like I said, I preach this as much to myself. It is too easy to start talking about others. And that is not gracious, it is not edifying, and it does not build up. But I can sure excel at that. I am gifted at it. In my flesh, that is something that needs to be killed. I don't think I'm alone in confessing this to you. We cause tremendous damage within the body of Christ and within our relationships by our tongues and by talking about others questioning motives, questioning their actions, trying to play Holy Spirit, trying to discern what's going on in their head. Let the sovereign God and let the Holy Spirit deal with your neighbor and your friend and your brother and sister in Christ. If they come to you, speak grace. Give them encouragement in God's word. That's the life of a believer. Swearing and cursing. If I did this verse in the high school group, or they'd be saying, oh, this is the don't swear verse. True. It is. Swearing and cursing. Using the Lord's name in vain. We know this is wrong. And we must be careful. It is not fitting for the believer to exclaim, my God, Jesus, or any synonym of our great God. The name of God, the name of Jesus, is reserved for this. Worship, praise, and evangelism. The name of God should be treasure to us. And it should never be something that we exclaim in anger, surprise, or earthly amazement. God's name is reserved for worship. We shout God's name joyfully in worship and praise together as a body of Christ or in your home when you worship. That's what God's name is for. He has made it known to us for us to praise him and to exalt him, not to use it in an earthly way. Dirty jokes. Jokes that end up on the edge. 
I found this verse in Proverbs. As I was reading through Proverbs 10, we just said verse 19. Look at Proverbs 10, 23. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. I had read Proverbs 10, I don't even know how many times. Boy, did that strike me. As I read that, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. I don't know if you're like me. I, you know, you guys know, I like to be funny. I think I'm a funny, I crack myself up if I don't crack anyone else up. I really do. I laugh at myself. And when Karen, and, you know, the once every 10 years that Karen and I get into any kind of a little, you know, argument or something like that. That's sarcasm, by the way. I always just try to make her laugh. And she goes, man, I'm really mad at you, but you make me laugh. She said that so many times. Now I can't stay mad. Now I get to avoid saying sorry and admitting I was wrong. I know, we'll go to counseling sometime. Be good, so. But those of us who like to be funny, it's easy to cross the line. I've been guilty of that. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such as is good for edification, that's gracious, that gives grace, that's appropriate for the need of the moment. How about this? And by the way, I know I'm listing a lot of, a lot of things. This is not just rules. Again, it's a heart. We've been changed by Jesus Christ. And so we care about this. We care about what we proclaim to others and what we say. We care about what our words say and do and mean. But as believers, can I challenge us, especially in the time period we're in? Don't spread worry. Don't spread worry. I think some, some of us, we like to worry. We almost find weird comfort in worry. But scripture says, be anxious for nothing. That's hard. So how do we fight that? Paul tells us, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard. I love that word, guard. It's like God is standing guard. The Holy Spirit. Jesus is a prince of peace. Standing guard over your hearts and your mind. Rest in God's sovereign care. Friends, the world is a mess. It's a mess. And it will be a mess till Jesus returns. But you know what's awesome about this mess? God redeems within the mess. And he makes new in the mess. Don't spread worry, spread hope. And our hope is in Christ alone. Can there be more edifying words in the midst of chaos that God is on the throne, that Jesus saves? You know, the political landscape is rotten and unwholesome. Both conventions were full of sins of the tongue. We're going to wake up in November on a Wednesday morning and we're going to have a new president. And I want to tell you something. You know what? Everything that matters most to a Christian will not change. Nothing will change. You will be fine. My God will still reign. Your God will still reign. 
God will still call me his child. I will still have a standing with God as one who has been rescued and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Nothing will separate me from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all, no matter who the rulers of the world are. In fact, Psalm 2, it says, when the rulers of the world get together and they plot against God, the one who sits in the heavens laughs. God reigns. God rules. And yes, it is an interesting time politically. Pray for discernment. Vote. Have your convictions. I loved Jeff's messages a few weeks ago. Make godly decisions with what you believe. But move and act in such a way that will bring the most opportunity for you to glorify God in all you do. Don't add fuel to the fire. Anything that tears down, anything that brings rotten or corruption towards a person is wrong. And we must be a people of God who build others up with gracious words. Words that edify. You know some words that edify? Share the gospel. Memorize scripture. Have you ever run across someone who was just so full of scripture that you just left refreshed? There are people like that. You tell them something, a verse. I wish I was more that way. Scripture just flows from them. They'll say, I have a verse for that. Oh, that reminds me of this. Oh, what you're going through. Boy, that reminds me of Jonah. That reminds me of Noah. That reminds me of Joseph. Remember Joseph was thrown into prison for doing nothing wrong? You're suffering right now. God has a plan for you. Israel was saved because of Joseph, and they just edify you. Let us be those people. But that is only done when we immerse ourselves in the word of God. If we don't go to the source of edification, to the source of grace, to the source of everything that is pure and good and holy and right, we must know this book. And guess what? Our speech will be edifying because the Holy Spirit will be at work in our lives and he will bring to our mouths scriptures and words of encouragement and grace. Share the gospel. Share God's word. I can't think of nothing more that is edifying and gracious. Have someone you don't like that you struggle with. Neighbor whose cat goes on your yard. I've said that before. I think it's a common one. It's not annoying. <laughs> that coworker who just grumbles and complains. Maybe it's that coworker who wants your job. That's reality in today's world. They're trying to tear you down. They want your position. Scripture says this, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You're having a difficult time with someone and you just kind of want to let them have it. Start praying for them. Pray to have God's eyes towards them. You're saying, oh man, Ron, that just does not sound fun. It may not be fun, but you will find joy in obedience. Pray for those who persecute you. Let us be people who have words that build up and fit the occasion. 
I think when it says fit the occasion, Scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You ever shared a burden with someone and it just kind of fell on a hard heart? They kind of did the stinks to be you. Like, thanks, that's really what I needed right now. Encourage. How about this? Pray. Any of you ever done this? I have, boy, it's just, I feel like it's confession time today. You're like, we got to throw Ron out of here. <laughs> He's not a good pastor. Oh, I'll pray for you. They share a concern. I'll pray for you. And you walk away and you go hit Togo's after church. And the next thing you know, you didn't pray for him. And you see him next Sunday. And you're like, I'm supposed to pray for you. And you almost don't want to even know how it's going. You're like, hey, how's, how's, how's your week been? Oh, thanks for praying. <laughs> yep. Karen's making me nervous. No. Maybe I'm the only loser in here. That's why I need the grace of God. You know what? Someone comes to you and you say you'll pray for them. Pray right then. We're praying. We're not leaving until we pray. Edifying? Gracious? Fitting to the need of the moment? Sometimes we think this is hard. It's not. Follow the Holy Spirit's prompting. If you, if you say, I'll pray for someone, you stop and you pray. That fits the need of the moment. Paul adds this in our passage, and he says us on our new life in Christ. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed. I believe this verse is really tied in with verse 29, where we've just been studying you know, the sins that we are to put off, that we studied in the past, they indeed grieve the Holy Spirit, don't they? But I really believe Paul is saying this. Will the words I speak, what I'm about to say to people in my conversations as I live my life, what I'm about to say, will it grieve the Holy Spirit or will it please the Holy Spirit who lives within me? Isn't that a great question? What, about is, what is about to come out of my mouth, will it please God or will it grieve God? Will this please or will it grieve the one who has sealed us, who is our guarantee for the day of redemption? Do not neglect this awesome truth. And this is awesome. The Holy Spirit lives within you if you are a child of God. God resides in you. And this Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit, who's been given to us as a gift and as a pledge, and we've been sealed in him until the day of redemption, he empowers us to obey Christ. He will always point to Jesus Christ. He guides us. He directs us towards Christ-likeness. Galatians 5 says this, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And so I want to close with this one question. And it's so appropriate for all of us. Does the overall pattern of your speech please the Holy Spirit?
or does it grieve the Holy Spirit? Let us be a people of God. Let us be people of God's word and let us put off and put away rotten speech and instead put on gracious, edifying speech. Allow the Holy Spirit to empower your words. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we, we look at a verse like this and we know a lot of the basics. We know which words aren't supposed to come from our mouth. They're socially unacceptable in many cases. Sadly, in our society, they become acceptable and it's proof that shows that we've strayed from your word and what is right. But Father, I would just pray for all of us that we would examine our hearts that we would realize it's not a list of bad words and good words. Instead, is, the question is, Father, does our life, do our hearts move in your direction? And so, Father, work within us. Allow us to see our hearts truly for where they're at. Father, convict us of sin. Show us areas where we fall short that need to be changed. And Father, we thank you that your grace and the Holy Spirit who lives and works within us will change us. Father, I thank you for many of us who in the past have struggled with, with swearing, with inappropriate language. It's on the job. It's everywhere. But you've changed us. Thank you for that proof and that work of your Spirit within us. But Father, let us move beyond just simple cursing. And Father, may we just live lives that all the words that proceed from our mouth point to you, that show a deep love for Jesus Christ and the work on the cross. May we be gracious, gracious people in our speech towards one another, to our neighbors, to our enemies, to the ones who persecute us. Father, we desire lives that are pleasing to you. So change our hearts. Set our hearts on your course. Keep our minds centered on your word. Father, may we be a people who hide your word in our hearts so that we will not sin against you. You are good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.